Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. Today, things are a little different today because that man over there across from me is the Picune Kyle Kosinski of event, I was going to say event profs community <laughs> of endless events and event profs community, which we'll yes, talk sir. about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, the Picune. And then from the introduction himself, uh, the living and breathing Will Kern. Is it breathing? Was it breathing my adjective? It was living. Living. <laughs> Well, I, I you somehow alive today. Let me check my pulse. Yep, still here. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look up. Do you know what picayune pick picayune means? I would guess it's something smaller. Kind of it, like... It's funny. Yeah, it's a good like it definitely is like romantic language. It's a Spanish half real piece, formerly current in the South. So it's like a half dime. It also oh. means something trivial too, because like something small, I guess. Mm. It's kind of like um, a a pick a penny for your thoughts kind of I don't know that's me, me reaching a little bit but yeah I learned a new word today. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So, uh, all right, well we're talking a little bit about uh, so we have uh, Brant's off on uh, on assignment as we say, um, but Kyle and I are here and we figured there would be a cool episode to talk about a lot of our learnings that we've had. So for most people may have talked heard about it um, so far, or maybe you haven't heard about it, Kyle and I created a community called the Event Profs Community. Um, and it's kind of like our chance to essentially demonstrate what how you can turn an event platform and an event into a community uh, all year long. So um, we're about, we, we started building it about two months ago. We launched it to the founding members about a month ago. We just sent out the cohort um, blast to like 200 people. So we went from now like 50 members to like 250 members uh, as of last night. And we've, we've had a lot of learnings in the first month. So we just figured, you know, we'd start dumping and sharing our thoughts and kind of doing a, a, a behind the scenes a little bit. So, yeah. um, so yeah, Kyle, um, I don't even know where, do, where do we start with this? Um, do we want to start with the, like the, the beginning and wh yeah, the whys and all things like that? Tell them a little bit about what we already had and why we wanted to take it somewhere new. Yeah. So we, so I, so I created this Slack group called event profs unite in like March, 2020 and actually shout outs to Nick Borelli, um, who kind of encouraged me to do it. Um, at the time, you know, like endless was like one of the few companies using slack in the events industry and he was like you know i like that you guys use slack he's like we should do one for the events industry and you know and i was like you know what this would be really helpful i bet you there's so many planners that don't even know how to use slack at all or you know and they probably are curious about it now they're hearing about remote communication so i just started like a slack group and i was like you know what we'll like call it a community you know and just kind of put it in i had no idea what to expect but like over the course of the last two years like two thousand people joined it um and it was pretty active you know it was definitely really really active in the beginning and then kind of started to trail off a little bit and 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 not gonna lie like i didn't really put a lot of like purposeful thought into it i was just kind of like hey i made it and then when people were like oh you know i need help i was like oh let me make an i need help channel so then that way yeah. people want to be that oh i'll make you know people want to post jobs i'll make a job channel and it's like kind of those thoughts and then you know i was like oh you know it'd be cool to get donuts which is like a tool that patches people people i was like let me see if i can get them involved you know it wasn't really like anything massively intentional for sure but was just definitely designed to 
expose people to Slack, and then it ended up just being a really cool like community of people asking for help and stuff. I liked it a lot better than social media because, like, I'm, I, um, as you all learn, I'm not a big fan of social media anymore. <laughs> I think one thing that I really enjoyed is the introductions that people would make because you might have event planners from all over the world just saying how they got their start, what they're doing now. Uh, and it's just really cool to go back and see, you know, all the new people who've come in over time. Uh, but I think one of the challenges that Event Props Unite had is unlike your Slack group uh, yeah. for your, for work, you are seeing those notifications all the time. So you have to yeah. actively, actively switch back over to the Event Props Unite channel uh, yeah. to see what's going on. So. And part of me was too, is like, I ended up putting, I think mine on snooze from like nine to five, because I was like, I don't want to, I want to focus on making this like an external activity for me. And like, I wanted to be intentional about when I was checking it versus just constantly getting pinged with Slack messages. But the one thing I really loved about it was that like, it became like the way that whenever people were like, I need to reach you with like, how can I talk to you? I was like, join the Slack group. And literally I'll answer faster in that Slack group than like any email, any, like any form of communication. So I think that was, you know, while I was even trying to like filter it out, it was also still the fastest way to reach me. So the, the way to communicate to all of the members was definitely one of the most important factors of how to switch or why to switch into a different sort of platform. Totally, totally. Um, but definitely the one thing I learned from that was just like, even if you create this thing though, like it needs constant grooming and management. Like you have to be on it, like in posting things and share. And like, even though like I responded almost to every message and I, you know, uh, every introduction I would react to and like stay on top of. And anytime someone messaged me, I was always actively, I wasn't like ghosting people. It was like, I think if it, if it had like constant postings and channels and, you know, and activities happening, it might've like kept people coming back a little bit more. One of the unique components to how our community started versus compared to like uh, just a, a traditional event, uh, like a trade show or a large conference that's going to the community model is they have their flagship event of the year. They have their already webinars or still virtual events planned out for the year. Whereas we're almost doing things in reverse, which is a unique <laughs> take on it. Whereas we're saying we're crowdsourcing for different events. We're, we're taking other industry events and we're bringing it into our agenda and we're building essentially a showcase of ideas or coaching sessions or roundtables. But we didn't start from that flagship event uh, and we're not trying like, so it's, it's a unique approach. That's a good point. Yeah. It's like it, it, like we're building an, like it's, what's interesting is like, luckily we can lean on a lot of like the endless events. Like, it, we don't, I want to call it a community, but like audience that already existed from the people who download our content and stuff. So we could build upon that and, you know, our personal relationships that we had, but yeah, like a lot, I think that's probably been the biggest challenge is like, we literally are building this from like the ground up. Like I'm imagining if I had like a annual conference that already had, you know, hundreds or thousands of people attending to be like, oh, and by the way, tomorrow I have this community you can join like you would probably get like a very big burst of people joining it right away mm. and, I, and i kind of noticed that similarly to like uh, pat flynn's uh uh smart passive income spi pro community too like they were doing these he's doing like a live stream like every day on youtube and he kind of had like people already coming to it and they were like just literally showing up and they kind of like started self-identifying themselves so when he like ended up launching spi pro he already had that kind of like built-in community that was like interacting with each other um that i think was huge but i would say that the one of the big learnings and i posted this on uh, on the community like yesterday as i saw uh marcel the shell with sh shoes on say that sometimes fast and he like in it uh, he says oh like 
the, the, they were a group of people watching this television show, but he's like, but the television show wasn't a community. They were just an audience. And I've learned that I think firsthand is that like, if you have a brand that creates a lot of content and everything like that, don't expect to like, just come out and be like, Oh, I'm gonna launch a community and people are gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna come and join and participate. Like, no, like community, like for sure needs like that co-creation element for sure that you're that, like you're talking about, we're crowdsourcing the ideas. Yeah, I think that's probably our our community's biggest unique take is we want to learn from what you know, essentially. Everyone has their own niche of how they got into the industry. So whether you're a festival producer, whether you are uh, a lighting technician, you can teach the whole world of event professionals what you know and essentially help make everyone's events better uh, one roundtable at a time. So uh, Tell us a little bit about the kind of content that we already have going on in this in this initial kickoff, uh, because a lot of it's really similar to the experience that the pandemic brought from Clubhouse and how a lot of uh, uh, just overall uh, communities or just topics are focusing now on bringing their content to Twitter spaces. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Um... I think it like so for everyone to know like we're using Hublot as our platform. Um, we did definitely like a lot of analysis, but there's like for sure there's so many things that I think every platform needs in terms of like features, and we'll probably talk about like our wish list of features and wants and things that we would totally change across all platforms, not even just Hublot. But one of the features that we liked definitely about Hublot was the was that like audio chat room feature, the clubhouse feature. We just literally copied and called it a clubhouse. And you can do multiple rooms. We just have one right now called clubhouse. And I think that's a really, really cool feature to have because like it differentiates what people can enjoy. Like right now, uh, we are literally recording this podcast and event. We actually live stream the recording of event tech podcast, event brew and event icons to the platform. And it, this is like more like a traditional live stream feel like webinar. There's a chat, you know, people can kind of interact, but it's a little bit more one way, especially because the podcast isn't designed to be live and answer questions. But the, the other pieces that we had, like those clubhouse rooms are really awesome. We have the lounge rooms where people can just kind of hop in and cowork and things like that. Um, so it's, it, it, it's definitely like very familiar, in which ways we do it. But I think one feature that I really like is that like that I'm almost envisioning is like, how can we also help source, like become our calendar, become like the master calendar for all events industry, like content yeah. too. Like you did a great job building the relationship with uh, a event profs break shit. And we basically put one of their events on the calendar and it wasn't even happening within our platform, right. but we linked it outward to be like, Hey, this exists and comes here. Like, I think that's a huge opportunity for it too. So it's a mix of like, I think what people are familiar with but we're also like we're trying to also bring in like some exclusivity cool things that no one else can get elsewhere you know yeah instead of spending a bajillion dollars on your facebook or instagram ads uh come to the event props community and let, exactly. let's, we'll help spread the word for your event essentially. <laughs> exactly exactly like create an, an audience and you know create helpful things for them in a lot of ways too yeah because um, you get so. to market to our niche audience of event professionals yeah totally totally I think one cool thing, and I'm curious to know what you think about it so far, because I don't think we've debriefed on it very much, is like, what's your been your opinion? So we have like a news feed that we created yeah. where people can post things. And like, we purposely chose to make that the homepage when you come into it. So you just see it like it's almost like a normal social network. What's been your like experience so far in like that as a from a technological standpoint? Was it like surprising to you? Was it what you thought it would be? Um, 
I think uh, for being able to share content as much as we plan to, uh, those share pages or those being able to have the video, if we're sharing a YouTube file, be able to autoplay, that shows just how important a feature like that would be. Whereas instead of having to have it click out and go outside of the platform, uh, that would have been helpful. And one of the things that has been very helpful is, and will continue to be helpful the more that people are posting, is the searchability. So if you want to see what posts have ever been searched, talked about trade shows or sponsorships or help on a particular category, just type in that word and all of those posts will come in. But one of the challenges that we've seen is, and it's just the small details. Will and I were talking about these components to your platform. It's like making sure you have the right table settings and napkins that meet, meet your brand colors at your in-person event. It's those small things that make the overall community experience. So not being like able to filter between uh, different threads on particular topics. That was one of the successes that the Slack community had. So being able to work with uh, filtering different categories or topics, that's something that we need to improve upon as uh, more and more people start posting. Yeah, that, like that's definitely my like biggest like want and like, like, Kyle's going to feel like Will's a broken record because I talked so much about this when we were like looking at all platforms. So I was like referencing so much to Reddit and I, I very latched on to like my Reddit experience over the last like two, three years. But like I found it to be a really enjoyable way to like process information, find posts. But like the filtering aspect of Reddit, I think is really great. Like you can go to your main Reddit feed and see everything all together, you know, all your feeds from all your sub communities. But then you have the ability to be like, if I want to like just nerd out on Westworld right now, because that's what's going on in my head, like I can go to the Westworld subreddit and just talk about those things. And then even in there you have search and you have the ability to put flair and tags on things. And like, you know, like right now we're lucky that we are at a small enough, uh, you know, community size that it's, it's actually manageable, but like, man, I can imagine like if two hundred like, and that's the problem I think with Facebook groups is like Facebook groups, they like, they start off great. Everyone's totally able to stay on top of the content, but then they, when those memberships grow to thousands of people, they're posting, it's just like, you just get lost in the sauce and it becomes like, honestly, just like, you don't even want to look at the feed because you're just like, I can't stay on top of it at all. So having a community in something like Discord or Reddit, you're seeing all this other information from other outside topics uh, and your brain can get scattered all over the place. So do you think that overall helps or hurts the event props community by being its own separate unique place? Because while you have everyone engaged for this amount of time, they, their attention might be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it's important that you that like that's why i wanted to create this community too is like social media there's like it's pulling you in a thousand different directions and you might hop on to want to only talk about events but really you're going to see you know this person talk about their new job opportunity this person posting about the new political news or whatever the heck's going on i like I think that might maybe eventually happen when you hit a huge critical scale but like i'm totally cool with event process continuing to be like a very niche um, group, um, because then like you hop on here, that's what you come here to do is to learn about things in your industry, learn about, you know, things that you care about. It's, it's focused on that rather than trying to, um, be the, the great social network, you know, one of the biggest learnings that we've taken away so far from it is members want to know when should they be coming onto the community <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's already hard enough for them to find time in their day to go surf, surf on Reddit or go surf on YouTube. So 
what do you recommend as far as for uh, getting people in? Like, when should they be coming on? Because that's something we've been exploring with our routinely content. I'm, I think we probably will have the answer, the true answer to that question in like three to six months, potentially. Um, but like what, what I've definitely noticed, and as we're live streaming this, I was thinking about it is that I was thinking about how we had an event and how like literally everyone's like, is anyone even here? You know, like, and literally like very little people showed up was because they're like, we didn't know this was going on. And one of the suggestions shouts to Joe from the community was he said, he said, just send out a push notification. So I actually literally just did a push notification to the community. I was like, come join us right now while we're live streaming. And I see a couple more people kind of filed in and came on in um, now to be able to to do it. But I think that's one thing is like notifications were huge to me. Um, and just a quick sidebar about notifications. Like I wanted push notifications on people's phones. I want like native, like you see a notification coming on in, coming on in because like for me, email notifications, it just gets lost. I don't, I might look at it like a week later. Um, you know, I don't want more text messages. So like push notifications made a lot of sense to me on that aspect. I think that's one way to do it. I also think that this is where I don't have an answer to. I think we have to figure out some sort of way to like turn it into people's daily routines is to like hop mm -hmm. in here on what days they want to come to different pieces of content. And that obviously like if the content is reoccurring and consistent enough, people will just naturally integrate it into their 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 workflow but you know those are the two things i think that are like the biggest thing um when it comes to it but also t yeah i think those are like the two biggest things so far i don't know if i actually have a full answer quite yet but what about you like what have you seen gets people to come back in or what do you think tech how technology solves that well first i wanted to shout out to our global listeners because we want to know if you're planning routine content what country are you planning it in and are you seeing the most success in the beginning in the morning before everyone started work oh, yeah. in the middle of the day it's kind of an escape away from meetings uh or in the evenings like either late in the evenings or pretty much right around that happy hour time um, we'd love to know because that's going to help our community strategy moving forward um, but one of the ways to really continue to keep bringing people back in is they once they experience uh or once they have once they experience some of the content that we're providing in these early phases of, of the event they'll start gravitating towards what sessions that they have the most opinions about or what they have the most uh insights about based on their personal experience and as they'll be able to start seeing like okay every tuesday i know that we're talking usually about KPIs. We want to know about how can we re-strategize our events uh, to focus back in on what's most important, our event goals. So uh, the first challenge is in order to get people back in the platform, uh, routinely in the platform, is we need our members to start contributing different content that they want to contribute uh, and talk about. Yeah, that's true. Like the co-creation aspect. So like talking about a feature want that I would love to have, and this is like, I'm kind of like hacking to make this all this stuff happen. And we're using some really interesting technologies across board. Like primarily Kyle, you and I are using Airtable to do all the, the content calendar because it's like the ability to create like kind of like a complex database very easily. Um, and that's been really, really helpful for us. But one feature that like I wish that we could do is that we have like a form where people can submit ideas and then it goes on the calendar. I wish there was a way, and this is where I'm pushing Hublot. And I don't think many platforms do this. So I don't think this is specifically a Hublot lacking feature 
feature in this case, but I want the ability to to create a, like a Zapier integration that when they submit to the Airtable, if we move it to like approved, it then puts the session automatically within the mm -hmm. calendar. I do notice in their API they have the ability to manage and add and update events from the API, but like. I don't know about you. I think I'm, maybe our listeners are very comfortable in APIs. Um, like I have the ability to maybe code a little bit, but like I don't have the ability to create the in between and stuff like that that do it all. But I would love the way to to make it so like someone decides they want to do an event, and if we can moderate it in a very quick and easy way, that we could get it on the calendar faster. Um, like I think that's one of the biggest things is just constantly filling that calendar with content and making that as easy as possible. I think is also a really huge opportunity too for for us in the future. Yeah, that's what we're seeing is uh, like a differentiator. Is some communities will focus on just one uh, larger event a month uh, rather than having that routine weekly content. So sure. although it takes a lot more to make sure that there is things going on each week, you do want to provide opportunities to members each week because you never know who's going to be on vacation the week that you're having your, <laughs> your webinar. But uh, and I think one of our tools and partners that has made the community so strong so far is the Clipper engine. Oh, yeah. Clipper's to, uh, so what we do in the community is if you've already had a, a webinar on a topic that you've hosted or if you've already done a recording and, and you want to feature it in the community just to kind of be in the showcase of content for event professionals, you can add it in. And what Clipper does, it's going to start automatically pulling in keywords and help anyone who's futurely watching your sessions and, and, and be able to. So as you're planning out your community, just know not everyone's going to be able to attend every one of your sessions and that's going to be okay. But being able for them to still be able to find that content in some way after is definitely important. Definitely. I, one cool thing you talk about Clipper um, is like, that's one feature that I told them to is like, I need the ability to make it. So I have like a widget where people can just upload their files and then I can choose what goes public. Obviously like they want to save their bandwidth as much as possible. And, and Clipper is a little bit newer tool. So like it's got lots and lots of, you know, roadmap ahead of it that's can potentially develop. But one cool thing that I loved about Clipper is that it also allows us to be a little bit more nitty and gritty in terms of our production value of the content too. Um, you know, like most events they're like, you're going to need a thumbnail. It needs to be perfectly edited with a logo in the beginning and end. Like where like what, what I end up doing is taking like a lot of the endless content whiteboard Wednesdays and dumping it in there. And it, yeah, it has the, the thumbnails and you know descriptions, things like that. But like the coolest thing about Clipper is that their whole thing is like AI based transcription search. So what I like about it is I can upload an hour long webinar and someone can search for like a term like audience engagement or community. And then it's not only going to show the videos that relate to that, but the moments within those videos. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's really, you know, something I think is really, really exciting. It, and like we use video yard for all of our marketing at endless like that's honestly like it's a feature that makes me almost tear away from not like wanting Vidyard as much anymore because I'm like, I mm. want almost like, let's just upload the hour long talks and allow people to like make their own clips and make their own, um, you know, searches within there too. So, um, and, and that's one reason why I think what it encourages with their, their, their database tools, like upload as much content as you want, because the more you enrich, you put content in there, the more that people can search for those moments within that. One of the features that we see the needing for communities to be able to grow is the ability to create subgroups. And that's oh, yeah. not something we really truly have yet. We essentially want to repurpose the, what you might know as the exhibitors or sponsors section of event technologies where you can showcase an, you know, a specific company. Instead, we want to subgroup people by 
I like uh, AR and VR, and I'm going to be a part of the AR and VR group. And I will see what events are taking place by members organizing in the AR and VR group. Or I can see articles just about the AR and VR group. Uh, same with regions. If I'm in uh, uh, North America, I want to see what other planners are in my region. Um, so that's definitely a wish list as the different community platforms are out there. Begin to think about how do you want to start categorizing your members? And because that's going to slowly make them feel a part of a, you know, smaller groups of a one larger mass. Yeah. I was talking to like just an example of like how we looked at so many different platforms. We looked at also Juno as an example of a platform. And I was talking to Megan Martin, who is now one of our community members as well from Juno. And she was showing me what she was, they were doing and they're working on those like subgroup aspects. The piece that I was pushing back to them was like, it needs to like wrap into one single thing. I think that's the challenge with a lot of these platforms is like cool stuff can happen within small sections of the event, but it needs to somehow feed back into a larger experience that when you open up that app, you can see like every everything that's going on like right now we're all having a chat um within the 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 community as people are watching the live stream like no one's ever going to see this chat though and it would be kind of cool if it somehow made its way back to like the main stream in some ways and 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 a lot of this stuff like when it comes to the community i'm learning is like just steal ideas from how, what Facebook and Twitter have done in the past. They've spent billions and billions of dollars developing what works and what doesn't work. Like, just copy, like, what they've done. Like, like use those tactics for the future. Like, obviously, don't, like, create election um, mistrust. <laughs> but, like, you know, create a, an uh, these tools and copy their tactics they use to pull people back into the platforms and utilize them. You mentioned copying features, and then it really brought something back in my head when we were talking about Clipper is – Clipping content. Yeah. You, you when you when you go watch a video on YouTube now, almost most videos you can clip your own footage and repurpose it how you want. Totally. Do you, do you think that's something that going into you know events in the future is going to be more important for just attendees of the event to start clipping any of the sessions, or do you think organizers yeah. would be hesitant from doing that? I think it would be cool. Um, I know that Clipper has the ability you can live stream through Clipper and I think people can clip as it's happening, but I definitely know you can do it in the current like post um, recording uh, methodology. The challenge that I have with it though, again, is that, and this isn't Clipper's fault and this isn't any platform's fault in any sort of way, is that like if I clip it, then it's inside a clipper, but then like I would love to then just instantly click a button and share that then on my on the feed. Like that's one of the challenges I think we're yeah. gonna have with where we're creating our content right now is that like, you know, if we wanna share highlights of what's happening and this talk we're doing right now, like we got to do an editor, they got to ch chop it up. And then literally then I have to then download the file, then upload it. And that's like, we're talking like an hour long process to do this sort of thing. That's where like YouTube's killing it is like, I think you can take those clips and then repurpose them, post them on your own channel if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, right? So it's like, it's almost allowing them to then create and curate and create their own audiences just based on the clips that they're making, right? A common theme that Will's been saying is how can technology save your time while building out your community? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't like that's for sure is like I don't want to do anything that takes up a lot of time. Yeah. But that's why I'm a terrible community manager in some ways too because like I'm lazy. I'm like I want to if I can automate it, I'll do it, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's where the power of our founding members will definitely help is what what kind of in, in goals do you have for our founding members or uh, that initial group for, you know, if communities are starting out with only 20 or so people, what do you recommend for those groups that, you know, to, to start success rather than just having them drop off too early? That's true. Um, well, I definitely think like giving them 
like a, an exclusive look like we gave them basically a whole month of the platform to use mm-hmm. for themselves like i think most people when they're looking at their communities like they do also need to consider like potentially monetizing it in some sort of way we've chosen not to monetize it um as we start to build this out and learn and improve it you know eventually i think the goal is monetization but we want to be able to create like that that exclusive experience and then we kind of did that we're like we did a month and like i literally had a wait list of 300 people trying to get on in and i was like you know we're gonna hold up back and bring them all in in july so it was cool i think for the founding members they all got to get in and some of them gave really critical feedback that i think that uh and critical in both ways really important and also sometimes that we need improvement things like helped us, I think, get better, right? Like Joe basically being like, hey, I think a push notification would help this in this case, I think was really, really helpful um, in doing that. And so like, I'm sure Joe is also like, well, cool, I feel like I'm a part of this and I'm helping build this in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know about, what about you? Um, remind me what were the question was. Yeah, but you're talking about like ways to get that, like uh, that make the founding members, I think like feel like it's a part, they're a part of it in the beginning. Oh, well, I, I just really like the whole cohort process. Being able to oh. join a community as a group is so much more like I feel like a part of something rather than going in solo. Like, <laughs> yikes, I'm the newbie here, new guy in the office, you know. Totally. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, too, because I think what's going to like we obviously, again, come back to us in like two months is this is like we just invite like 200 people to get into it. It'll be interesting seeing like the the engagement and see like is does this like bring a lot of engagement as is happening? So is it going to be like at the beginning of the month? We're always going to see this big spurt of energy. Do we need to capitalize on it um, in a lot of ways? You, you brought up something, though, I think that would be nerdy to talk about on the on this that probably won't talk about on other the podcasts is like the technology behind how we do the wait list and the registration for it mm-hmm. um and like some some want so like i'll share some behind the scenes on how this all works um on here and again like no like when i'm talking about like features that i want to see hublot has a lot sometimes a lot of these platforms don't have this either like we chose hublot because it did everything we needed to at the time to get this going but like to be honest like you know, going back to like my, my DES course, there's nice to haves and wants to haves. Like all, all these platforms, and 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 just to caveat again, I'm going all over the place. I apologize. Is that like we chose an event platform to make it a community? We could have chosen a community platform, which I saw in someone's application. They were like, "You should use a purely community platform. Stop trying to use an event platform." Our point was to show how like this existing contract you might have with this this event uh, platform to use it year round you can use it for community and how all these platforms that are trying to become community platforms how you can utilize it moving forward our, our hope is that they continue to move that way but one interesting thing is that like almost all a lot of event platforms don't have all these features and so one interesting thing, um, this is something I think you and I kind of got surprised by and we're like expected them to implement the feature a little bit faster than they haven't done yet, but is that to do registration for a community, it's a little bit different than doing an event. An event, you buy a ticket, you know, you can potentially get access to the platform right then or they can hold off on it. You like when you're doing registration for a community, you like need it to be like sign up and the one feature that was missing, this is like blew my mind, I didn't think about it, it's like reoccurring tra- like reoccurring charges like stripe has the ability to do like a monthly payment process but like none of these platforms have a feature turned on where it's like don't just charge them 
for the 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 initial one ticket, like charge them once a month for this. And I know some you, we've talked about registration platforms that allow you to do like deposit based schedules. Yeah. So maybe you could like hack it to do like a deposit that's spread across twelve months or something like that. But you know, within a lot of these platforms, the registration systems are sometimes really simple. And so like I think that was one thing that we ran into was like, well, this is, might be too simple for us. So it's I'm I think I'm lucky that I found this tool. I was trying to figure out a way to create like a viral. Um, wait list for when we were building it before people joined. So before we had it all 100% done, I want people to be able to sign up. And, but then what it did is it prompted them and said, you know, if you sign up and wait, if you want to move up in the list, you can just refer more people to get them involved. This was super successful. It ended up like returning 40% more signups than we thought it would. And we used a tool called Prefinery to do this. And what was cool about though is that as I started doing this, I was like, wait, why am I making them going pre-finery to sign up? And then they have to go to the platform to sign up again. This is before I had like an API or Zapier integration set up. I was like, why don't I just use the wait list as the first sign up point that they come up to? They get on the wait list and they do their application because we do like, a, as Kyle mentioned, the cohorts, we, because we do it every single month, we do it basically you apply and you have to tell us why you want to join. It ended up creating this really cool system where Prefinery is our registration and our setup and our application process. It puts them on a wait list. Then they have to like share to move up on the wait list. And then what I did is I set up a Zapier integration that when I click the invite button in Prefinery, it fires off and automatically adds them into um, adds them into the community. And it's been working really, really well so far. Um, I don't think any, I don't, I, I haven't been able to really dive deep to see if there's any true drop off or anything like that. But you know, it, it definitely has worked really well to use this like viral waitlist application engine on the external and then use it just to Zapier into the, the adding the member inside the community platform. Interesting. Who would have thought that much goes into just setting it up? <laughs> That's just for you to get signed up for the platform. It's like like three different tools just to do that that sort of thing. But you know, like in the easy folks. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really like, you know, I think we're like it's exciting for endless like as an opportunity too is like we've always been like super nerdy about this stuff is that we can set up all these things for a client um in a lot of ways. But like, you know, I think there's just definitely, you know, there's a lot of room for these softwares to to improve and you know and as much as i also like give a ton of feedback we kind of have docs and slide decks with feedback and ideas and things like yeah. that to give platforms and things like that we uh you know there we know that not all of this is going to get implemented right away so you know sometimes i think it's also about making the best of what you have and absolutely and the members that we have are going to help us do that yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, I was gonna say like we, I, I definitely three hundred people in the first month already signed up. It's like it's nuts. So we'll see what like you know the next month after that looks like too. Um, yeah, what sort of um, technological pieces were like or things that you like you thought like were you talked a little bit about the using potentially partner booths as spaces for subgroups on there too. But any other like technology like features like you have your want list that you'd want. What's like a number one thing that you're like wanting to see from these community platforms that we currently don't have that you think it might be hindering us in some sort of way? Mm. Well even though we had like uh, we have the tools currently working for users to be able to submit their own content, uh, being able to, uh, I guess, bring in what Event Profs Unite had was the I need helps, making it yeah. a little bit easier to see just those that need help 
Yeah. Uh, right now in the feed, it's just kind of an ongoing post. So, oh, these are the events where I'm attending, or this is what's going on in the in the industry this week. Um, so, I think that will be that will be definitely be helpful. Like right now in our news feed, it has like a button where it says like all all posts you can sort to show only your posts, photos and videos. I think polls and maybe like one other thing. Like it would be really really cool if that was the exact same functionality we have right in there right now, but made it so then that way maybe we could put a box below it that was like yeah the the hashtags uh, I need help so or like and and I think that like a hashtag or a tagging system is probably the easiest way to do this. Like it doesn't seem real. I, I say it doesn't seem very hard, and then developers out there are like screw you you know <laughs> it's, it's really hard but like i think like having a really quick filtering ability that you can just like boom and just show me only these posts would be like i think really really helpful too it would help i think uh put keep posts engaging that happened in the past too because that's one of the challenges right now with you if you just have one massive feed is that like good luck if you posted your thing a week ago no one's ever going to see it yeah, so you also need what, what Reddit has. What are the posts that are hot right now? That's true. Of traction. That's true. That's very true. Uh, you know what's um you know, you know what's a really surprising feature. I think that like this just shows again like how you sometimes have to hack things together. Was like uh, Kyle and I were like yeah like we're totally good to go everything's set up and then we the number one feature we have requested right now in our community is more characters like the ability like longer yeah. posts like we didn't like when we, we go to post we're like okay cool yeah like it allows you to put a post allows you to do links photos all these things like that but there's a character limit and i think we initially already got it raised uh, a bit but right now like within comments you can only do like 100 characters within a comment and we had people who are like there needs to be more because some people are trying to write like really long detailed posts with information and they're like, we want more in there. And it's funny how like sometimes it was a reminder to me that when you're buying a software, you think to yourself like, yeah, that's like commonplace, but then like it might not be there a hundred percent. And you sometimes have to just kind of live with it. And I think like our members have kind of turned it into a joke, like how they have to like think really concisely and <laughs> easily within that, within it. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, one other feature I think that I love about the the platform right now, but I wish it did more of, is the embedding iframes. Um, mm -hmm. So um, that's one really cool feature that Hublot allows you to do is like we have the sidebar that allows us to – or sidebar or even like the library. The library is technically – the Clipper thing is just an embedded Clipper page mm -hmm. essentially. Um I would, you know, right now they limit it to three, but I would love to do like unlimited iframes. It would allow us to bring in other tools and turn it into one single repository and like navigation for everything. But, you know, I think that's one thing that I think that's really, really exciting is like it allows you to lean on things like, for example, right now there's no form abilities within Hublot for us to say like, you know, submit content. So Kyle, you and I end up making that uh, Airtable form that allowed people to submit content. Well, then we just embedded that into the, the platform and it allows us to kind of circumvent while we're waiting for more features to be to be able to be updated. So that feels like almost like a must have kind of feature too. Yeah, so as you're looking for your community platform, think about, you know, okay, if it doesn't have what you're looking for, is there ways to integrate these tools to make the experience what you want it to be in the meantime, while you can still continue to give feedback to your technology provider? Totally. Um, man, what are what other tech nerdy things at all? I'm gonna like to bring up my like long list of ideas and stuff that I have I had within here. Um, 
within it. Yeah, I think the I think one thing thing I'll give a shout out to for sure is like also like having a team that supports you from the platform standpoint too. You know, like I'm sure uh Hublot hates sometimes how like nerdy we get with things, but like shout outs to Alan Carr who's like our our support rep and he's like in our Slack that are operate like we're operating this community inside of and talking internally about things and you know, we constantly hey, here's a bug. Hey, the app's not loading for some reason. Hey, like what, you know, is there an ability like I was asking him, is there an ability to do an API integration with the leaderboard so I can fire off API calls based on who's ranking on the leaderboard? And, you know, it, it's just been absolutely awesome. And Brant and I did an episode on like the state of event technology labor. And we've talked a lot about like how service is like the secret feature that no one's mm -hmm. really paying attention to. But like, I don't know, I've really felt like really well supported during this entire time that we have questions and, you know, product questions and things like that. We've been really getting support. So that's one thing I would just give a huge shout out. It's like, if you're planning on doing this, like having some a good team that feels like they're there to support you and it's not just a chat widget, like is really, I think helpful. Of course. Um, yeah, you got anything else that you think that the, everyone needs to know about what we've been doing the last month or so? No, I, this my big call to action to everyone is if you're not in a digital community today, jump into one, see oh, what it's you. like, uh, because this is how you're going to start getting feedback for your organization and like how you can start connecting your individual attendees into more of a cohesive uh, unit for your organization. I love that. Yeah. And if you want, you can come join ours too. eventprofscommunity.com. Not meant to be an ad or anything like that. But I, I think Kyle, even if it's not our community, it's a, you need to join a community because like that's how I learned about ideas is what was based on Reddit. It's based on other communities that I've joined, SBI, all these other ones, Slack, other Slack groups. So, you know, the, you get this inspiration similar to how you get inspiration for your events by going to other events, mm -hmm. you know, or other experiences go experience online digital communities if you aren't already and you know get that get that chance and if it doesn't make you happy and doesn't feel like you're attached to it go find another one until you find the one that you really latch on to because i also know that online communities can like change everything and change the way that you do things and learn things and meet people and all that fun stuff so and i know will and i are so excited to see what you can teach everyone in the event profs community yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and by the way, because Kyle and I are in it, that's like also the easiest way to reach us. So you can always shoot us a DM on there too. So, um, but um, a call to action for the end of this episode, to wrap it all together. Shoot us an email um, and let us know event tech podcast at hello endless.com. What like things have you seen that you've wanted from a community? What sort of technologies are you seeing? Also, if you're like, know of something that we said we irked us or we didn't like or an idea related to a technology that can use to to help enhance a community shoot us an email let us know event tech podcast at hello endless.com or on social media event tech podcast or come hang out with us in our community event profs community.com kyle it's been such a pleasure it's always so fun to get to work yeah. on the stuff you and i get to nerd out together uh, so thanks so much for, for joining well thanks for having me see you in the event profs community all right bye everybody Event Tech out. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.